I'm Ryan Pack, and this is Soundtrack Your Life, where we talk to a guest about a soundtrack that they feel connected to. Today, our guest is musician Sean Faust. Oh, sorry. Is it Sean Faust or Faust? Oh, it's Faust, man. I was like, yeah, you nailed it, brother. Ah, good. All right. Today, our guest is musician Sean Faust. Uh, Sean, welcome. Thanks for having me, man. This is really cool to do this, especially since soundtracks are my bag. Well, I am excited to talk to you about this particular one. Um, so, Sean, uh, since you are a musician, why don't you tell our listeners about your music? Well, the thing that I like to talk about the most is my song, Jin Asylum. I'm trying to get one million sales and streams, because that would be nice, but one million sales of Jin Asylum, which will not make me famous. It will not validate my existence, um, and it's not going to make me rich. But what it's going to do is it's going to give me a nice comfortable chunk of change after all the payouts I would have to do that I can just help animals all over the place. Like right now, I know somebody who's going through a lot of stuff with their cat who's in and out of the hospital for the past week. They're going to be fine, but that bill is racking up. And I'd like to just say, hey, ease your mind. Here's five grand or something like that. So what I need people to do is wherever you buy Music, wherever you buy digital music, iTunes, Amazon, Bandcamp, it's $1. And I've gone on this spiel so many times, and you think about how much money you spend every day on coffee and what that adds up to per year. I'm asking for $1 once, and you could do it. And you're going to help me help our furry little friends. I love cats to death. Like, well, maybe that's not a good way to put it. <laughs> I love cats a lot. Um, they're just this, they're this, my, they're my reason for being lately. Like the past few years I've worked in animal rescue and I love it. When I go on vacation, I find where the nearest like, uh, cat cafe is and I go and hang out with cats. So that's just my bag. And I need people's help to get me to 1 million sales of my song, Jin Asylum. And I'll also give you a link to put in show notes. And I'll share that all over social media where I'm Sean Faust on the X Twitter. What's this called now? I'm, on, I'm just Sean Faust. Twitter. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm going to call it Twitter. I'm Sean Faust on that place that used to be Twitter. And everywhere else, I am Sean Faust Music. S-E-A-N, like Mr. Connery would spell it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's what I, I really want to focus on the most is just that I, I need one million sales because because of the financial cushion that's just necessary to have so I can achieve this goal of just helping everybody I possibly can. And listeners, it's actually 999,999 sales because I've already done my part. This is true. A copy of Gen Asylum. I think you were the first person to buy it when I started this campaign. So thank you so much, man. That was oh, really cool welcome. of you. It's a great song. Thanks. I had fun with it. I love the 90s stuff, and I guess it's probably why this soundtrack kind of works with pushing that song, because that's it's that whole New Jersey, not that every band from this soundtrack's from New Jersey, but it's that whole New Jersey raw 90s vibe. Right. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about the 1994 Kevin Smith film, Clerks. So why are we talking about Clerks? I grew up in New Jersey. I've lived in New Jersey, I'd say 98% of my life. And when Clerks first came out, it spoke to 
guys like me, I worked in retail. And a year after this movie came out, I'd be working overnight in retail where it's even more bizarre. And it just, there was something about just how raw the script is and just how natural the dialogue and how, yeah, it's, this is a really, really, really funny documentary about shit that happens when you're working in retail. And of course the music spoke to me too, because at that time, the Early to mid-90s, I'd say from like 92 to 96, was like this melting pot of all kinds of genre, which you can even see on this soundtrack, that it didn't have to be metal, and it didn't have to be hip-hop, and it didn't have to be pop. Everything just came together. And, you know, I remember the days of MTV when they showed music, and it was just, you'd have Can't Touch This by MC Hammer, followed by Oh Father by Madonna, followed by... Poison, followed by Bon Jovi, followed by Metallica, followed by more hip-hop, etc. Rinse, repeat. 90s soundtracks, especially, I feel like there's so many beloved ones because like there was so much going on with music at the time. Oh, hell yeah. And people were still... Music wasn't some kind of like backburner idea to them. Music was still like a front and center thing. Like, what do you listen to? Where do you go for music? Even people that generally aren't like Die Hard about music would still be like, oh man, did you hear that song? What a great song. And it just feels like lately it's backburner stuff unless it's, you know, those five songs that you hear on terrestrial radio all the time. Don't Stop Believing, Living on a Prayer. Uh, they're trying to do with Africa by Toto, but that song's always going to be awesome no matter what. And right. it's never going to get played out. But you know what I'm saying, and your awesome listeners know what I'm saying, and they're awesome because they're listening to you. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, man. Yeah, and, and um, you know, I also love this soundtrack. Uh, before I actually started this podcast, um, I was thinking about this soundtrack because I, I think it was like the 24th and the 25th anniversary of the soundtrack, and there was an article that came out about it, and that's when I was like, yeah, 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 like I want to do a soundtrack podcast. That's a really cool idea. A sound uh, podcast about I always said a soundtrack about podcasts, but now I need to see Kevin Smith make that movie. But yeah, a podcast about soundtracks. When I discovered you, I think you were on Brian's show. You were on my weekly mixtape, mm -hmm. and I heard you say, "Yeah, it's a soundtrack podcast." I'm like, "What? Well, I'm sorry, what?" And just I remember listening to a couple episodes, and reaching out to you like right away after uh, the episode you had done with Brian. I was like, "This is great." I bore into film scores. But when you said something you know, more song-oriented, I was like, well, it's either going to be Clerks or Pump Up the Volume, because those are like two of those 90s soundtracks that are just ingrained in my DNA. Yeah. What I love about the Clerks soundtrack especially is I feel like it is a great gateway soundtrack. Like if you kind of, like for me in 1994, I was listening to mostly just, you know, rock radio. You know, I was really into Nirvana and I was really starting to... Uh, explore music and I feel like this was like the perfect sort of way to branch out and be like well what else is there that's like not popular even though you know you have your soul asylum and your Alice in Chains you know like Girls Against Boys was uh, a, a really big band for me for a while and I think this was one of the big reasons I discovered them oh right on very cool I'm trying to think of like who on this soundtrack I mean, yeah, Soul Asylum was huge because a couple of years before they had Runaway Train and they were changing that video every month to focus on finding more homeless kids. 
right? which was a really cool uh, campaign of theirs. And of course, Alice in Chains. And the cool thing about that song, I'm sure, you know, when we get to it, we'll probably dive deeper into it. And you might have mentioned it on your show before when you were talking about singles. They kind of, Alice in Chains just released this album under the radar and didn't really tell anybody just to see how they could get away with doing that. So it got me wrong. Like a lot of people didn't hear this album until after Dirt came out. I remember the first time seeing this movie, the drummer I had been playing with, I think the year before, turned me on to the Sap EP. I remember the second the song started, I was like, whoa, all right, this is pretty cool. Something I know from an indie filmmaker. This is great. So, I mean, huge bands, then small bands, all together, loving each other. I've only seen one of these bands live, though. I'm sad to say. I'm happy I saw them, but I've only seen one of them. That would be Stabbing Westward. I don't think I've seen any of these bands, which, uh, well, no, I've seen, I've seen, a, well, I, I've seen Tommy Stinson in different forms. Fair enough. Th- Still counts. I think, I think he was bash and pop when I saw him at a record store play. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what, what's kind of crazy is like usually with a lot of soundtracks that are awesome like this, they have like a really popular soundtrack supervisor. Obviously, they're really good at what they do. And for this movie, you know, it was super low budget. I believe 20, it was on a budget of like $25,000. Something like that. All maxed out credit cards. Yeah. All maxed out credit cards. No people with like an IMDb page before this movie came out. And the guy who helped Kevin Smith put the music together was a guy named uh, Benji Gordon, who was an A&R. And, like, this is the only soundtrack supervision credit he has, and I think that's insane because I think this soundtrack is amazing, and why wouldn't you want to get the guy who found all those songs for Clerks? You know, it's weird, and I've heard that Kevin Smith does his own soundtracks, uh, his own research, and he finds the soundtracks now. Like ever since uh, Mallrats, so like I guess he just didn't want to help anymore. I really don't know. I don't know what happened. Yeah, or maybe Benji was just like, "I'm just gonna go back to my day job." Fair enough. I mean, I I, I guess some people did that. They were like, "Yeah, I'll be in your movie, and then I'm gonna go back to work." Right. And and you know, it's funny that you bring up bring up Mallrats because I feel like that is another soundtrack where it does a great job of blending some bands that were bigger and on the radio and some of these, you know, smaller bands that, you know, made sense next to them. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I think it wasn't even, even still as modern movies have those smaller bands with the big bands, Clerks three, even although Clerks three had, uh, two really huge songs on that soundtrack too. They had the lit tune and then they had songs from the black parade, which uh, in case you haven't seen it, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's on my list. Obviously I would love to finish the trilogy. I loved the first two. And I mean, we're going to get into like how big clerks has kind of taken over pop culture, you know, from being this $27,000 black and white film to, spawning two sequels and a cartoon series and a whole like a universe the view yeah. universe yeah the first multiverse right you know i i would have to say that it is well i don't know i don't know if it's multiverse i think it's just it's all in universe i don't think 
Well, I mean, I don't want to get into spoiler territory with the third movie, but, you know. Uh, yes, yeah, I'm, I can't even talk about the third movie yet until you've seen it, sir. All right, sorry, sorry about that. But... No, it's all good, but it's but, still but all the universe. universe. Is, I think you are correct, universe. Yeah, At least up until the third yeah. movie, universe. Uh, I mean, which is still universe, but it's just... You'll see when you finally see, which you should have already. It's a beautiful film. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely want to see it. I've been very vocal about this all online, and that I I think it's Brian O'Halloran's best performance. I love his his performance in this movie like a lot. And there there are like three scenes in it from just like, dude, wow, did you like bring your A game and then some to this film? Yeah, I mean, he is definitely like, I feel like the soul. Of the uh, Askew universe. Well, I would say him and Randall. You can't leave Jeff Anderson out either. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, but, that pairing is great. Oh, my God. They're great together. And, of course, Jane Silent Bob. Right. Who are the, I guess, they're the, uh, what do you call them? The sidequels. Yeah. <laughs> like Mallrats or Amy and all that stuff. Right. So, when did you see Clerks for the first time? Um, well, I was at Woodstock in 94, but I think I was asleep when the screening happened at midnight. Um, so I saw it. My friend worked at Tower Records not long after I did, and he got a promo copy of it. I don't know if it was a screen or a promo, whatever it was. He had a copy of it, and he's like, hey, man, this is this movie. I just did a Kevin Smith. Hey, man, I've been doing that forever, too. It's a New Jersey thing, I swear. But he's like, hey, let's you know come to my house. Let's watch this movie. I hear like it's pretty much more of a documentary. Like This is really how things are. And at the end of that movie, I was like, my God. Like, at the time, too, that was not tame. Like, by today's standards, that's a pretty tame movie. But at the time, I was like, whoa, mm -hmm. my God. Like, this, I've never heard anybody but us talk like that. And, like, we kind of felt represented at the same time. And just floored. It was the summer of 94. Or not, maybe, uh, maybe the winter of 94. I remember, like, that was... Kevin Smith's kind of calling card, like when he started to make his uh, name known, it's like, oh yeah, he's really vulgar. Oh yeah. But now you'd be like, I uh, not that vulgar. <laughs> it's not. I mean, I think the the most vulgar, disgusting thing to this date is the stink palm in Mallrats. <laughs> yep. Or uh, I mean, the Donkey Show. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's an animal involved, so interspecies erotica. I'm sorry that maybe that's that's bad taste and i guess the stink palm tastes bad yeah but i feel like with the donkey show uh like judd apatow also used that and i think the 40 year old virgin so oh yeah I mean, like the, no no but you didn't see it you just heard about oh yeah it. you didn't see it it was a horse it was a horse i kind of feel bad for the, for horse. the horse he was really giving it to her <laughs> But yeah, like that humor, I think, has been kind of normalized because of, you know, movies like Knocked Up and The 40-Year-Old Virgin. But Kevin Smith, like that, it was it was really vulgar at the time. Oh, yeah. And it was the gateway for stuff like that. 94 was just that year of like, here's this big change coming in movies because you had Pulp Fiction also where, right. you know, you've got the scene in the basement. No, nah, man, I'm pretty fucking far from okay. You've got that, and then you've got Clerks, which, I mean, I don't think I ever heard the F word in a movie that much, or yeah. in a song that much, but it just worked, because it just felt so natural. Right. 
And like when I talk to people about like indie movies, like the first movie I think of is Clerks. Like I think of it's, you know, basically two locations, maxed out credit cards, you know, no big name. Like I don't want to constantly take shots at another New Jersey movie, Garden State, but it's like, oh, it's an indie movie and I've got Natalie Portman in it fresh off the Star Wars movies. Like, it's like, is it really that indie? I've got a crane shot. Like, well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's, it's funny. I, I distribute my music digitally through DistroKid and they're like, oh, you can make these fun 30 second little videos with, and it uses scenes for movies and the two two of the big scenes that they have is um, when JD I can't remember his name from uh, Scrubs oh, uh, Zach Braff Zach Braff I'm I, Zach I'm so sorry I forgot your name brother when Zach Braff is uh, sharing his headphones with Natalie Portman yeah so you can you can put your song to that or you can put the song to Rosario Dawson teaching Brian how to dance on the roof in Clerks too oh, so nice. it's just funny that you just mentioned Garden State and I'm like wow. There's there's a closer knit thing there. I Zach Braff just did another indie flick, because, and a lot of people go, well, if it's got major stars and like there's there's distribution, how's it indie? I'm like, well, a it's independent from genre. It doesn't have to fit this mold. That um, if if you've noticed the past few like big giant movies of franchises, minus a few, they've all been the same because the 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 distribution companies and the parent companies like. Well, it has to have this because that's what audiences like, and it's like audiences are getting sick of that, right? So, independent—it's just you know somebody that's not worth five billion dollars isn't financing, or somebody not worth five billion dollars is financing it. Zach Braff, I think, did Gordon State out of his own pocket. Yeah, and you know, like I said, I'm not taking any shots at it. Like he he had no directing experience beforehand; it was his script. Um, he like I think the thing he liked about it the most is like how much creative control he had over it. Like he didn't have to like sit around and like figure out what scene's gonna have a Dr Pepper can in it because you know they promised right. you know uh you know the product placement rights and I know that that's been a big thing for him. So I'm you know not taking shots of it, but like when I think about independent films and I think this is part of the reason why like Clerks has spoken to so many people. It's like. Here's just some guy just maxing out his credit cards with like no money, no Hollywood connections, like just this huge dream. Yeah, just a huge dream and a really great um, talent as a writer. Oh yeah, and yeah, I'm, I mean his use of language and his knowledge of language and like just even even if he were just like putting words together, which it became a thing that was called the Stifler, because you know, when when they were uh, there was a documentary for American Wedding where. It was called Stifler Talk. You would take two words that don't fit together. And the the um, the example that, that the director or the writer for American Wedding used was cock and lunch. Like these are two words you wouldn't put together. And that's Stifler Talk. And I think Kevin Smith was doing that five years before American Pie was even an idea. But he, his, his ability to take these words and, you know, like you ever wonder how much money the average spoon opera makes? Who's having that conversation? <laughs> so, I mean, but so his use of language, his understanding of language, I mean, we're both huge fans of Carlin. I mean, he's more well documented on that one, you know, considering Dogma and James Sound Bob Strike Back and the criminally underrated Jersey Girl. I think Jersey Girl is a wonderful movie. 
people that hated it were just they just wanted more Jane Silent Bob and right. filthy jokes. They didn't and, understand unless unless Jennifer Lopez Ben Affleck. I mean, fine. I didn't think that they were that bad together because they didn't have enough time to be bad together. And I right. think Carlin was phenomenal at it. Yeah. Oh no, no, he was fantastic. Liv Tyler is a, such a joy in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the guest cameo was fantastic. I, I mean, like seriously, he he's got to get him in another movie just to talk about what would we call that? The slap heard round the world. I mean, just. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm sure he's up for making fun of that now. He's finally uh, filming his um, sequel to that other sequel that came out a few years ago. I'm trying to keep the cameo on the DL here, although I might have given it away with the... The slap heard around yeah. the world. Well, you know, you never yeah. know. I could be talking about two people, although he's... All right. Wow, he worked with both of those guys. Yes. <laughs> Not at the same time. Not at the same time, no, but that's... Wow. But anyway, yeah, so... It's just a sweet movie. And that's another movie that's got a great soundtrack. So like Kevin Smith is great at soundtracks. I think we, I could have named any Kevin Smith movie and you probably would have been like, yeah, let's do that. But Clerks is like the one that started it all. Right. And like I said, there, there's this huge influence on pop culture from Clerks. Um, you know, there was obviously Clerks 2 and 3, like we said. And then there was an animated series on network television. Yeah. Yeah, and it was great. Yeah, I mean, I remember like being furious that they canceled it, and then like waiting for the DVDs to come out so I could just watch it over and over again. I'm not, and I'm generally not always into animation. It's kind of like I've really got to be interested in the subject matter. So I'm not always like Spider Verse. Yeah, I mean that that first movie was just so magical. I'm gonna go see every single one of those movies. Mm-hmm. But it was the writing. It it had nothing to do with. The animation techniques that they used is so groundbreaking. I don't care. I really don't care. Give me a good story and give me some good acting behind that story. That's all I want. Clerks? Hell yes, I'm going to watch that. Especially since he had Jeff Anderson and Brian O'Halloran and everybody else kind of involved doing it. Yeah, and it was pretty great how he knew how to change it for like an animated audience. Yeah. But also he... You know, that last episode where it just it, everything happens outside of the quick stop, but it's, you only experience everyone coming into the quick stop and telling oh, them about right. it. Like, like that episode's so great. <laughs> I think after we're done with this, I'm probably going to go give that show a rewatch. Yeah, I, I, I owe myself a rewatch of that as well. Like, I just remember, like, you know, and like, I'm Korean, right? So, like, the jokes about like the Korean animation studio, like, just taking over and finishing that one episode, like, Holy oh, crap. Man, so good. I really need a rewatch because I totally forgot about that. Like I think they ended up using that episode first, which was probably not the greatest idea as far as a network executive goes. Cause it's like, oh yeah, the Korean animation studio and the, the bear drive car, crazy. Well, look at the time. A lot of people say, Well, you can't say it's a different time like you can get away with it. It's it's not that anybody's trying to get away with it. It's just that it was a different time. There weren't as many voices out there that were offended, or as many voices out there that wanted to put down those that are offended. Yeah, I, so. I honestly feel like if Clerks Two had come out a couple of years later, like they just would have ended up moving it to like Adult Swim. Clerks Two, the, the, the cartoon. Oh, oh, oh the, cartoon. the cartoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, without a doubt. But I, I don't think it went that far. 
No, 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 no. It, but it, I, I but think still... it, but, you know, it, it fit that sort of humor. Like, it oh, wasn't... definitely. And they probably would have, it probably still would be going right now. Yeah. I think it just kind of missed that window. By like what? It was like only like three or four years? Um, it was maybe a little longer. Because yeah, that was re- late 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like 99, I think. Yeah. So that was about three years. Because I remember Adult Swim picked up Family Guy before Family Guy got uh, renewed. Yeah. yeah. God, that episode where Peter lists all the shows <laughs> that Family Guy got replaced with was so good. I'm still a huge Firefly fan, too. <laughs> um, I'd be, I'd, but the other thing, too, that you you just said it, too, about like how Kevin Smith was able to like kind of do it for the animated uh, uh, community. He that guy's a self admitted super nerd. He's into everything, so right. he knows exactly what's going to work for what. I would have loved to have seen a Superman movie, and spoiler alert: not the five seconds I got in a recent superhero movie that came out with the big giant spider. That was Superman uh, Lives, I think it was called. Oh yeah. And if you haven't seen The Flash yet, you might not. Uh... Spoiler alert! Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no worries. Oh yeah, the Kevin the Kevin Smith Superman. I remember. I was, um, I wasn't. It was, he was just going to write it, right? It was. I think it was Tim Burton was going to direct it. Yeah, he was. He was writing it. Tim Burton was going to direct it, and then the it producer was... wanted the big giant spider. And then he went out and produced Wild Wild West, where at the end of that movie they fight a big giant spider. Giant spider. Yeah. yeah, I was on a different podcast talking about <laughs> that big giant spider. Wild and, Wild uh, West was a pretty interesting film. Not in a good way. It's very unwatchable. Yes. Nobody. Um, how do I? I don't want to say that. I don't want to be rude to anybody involved. But the writing wasn't good. I don't think anybody was having fun. The chemistry was, you know, these are people that obviously have hung out and gotten along. Uh, you know, let's go back to Clerks because the more yeah, I yeah. think about Wild Wild West, the let, more I'm let, like, let, let me, uh, let me <laughs> segue us back into Clerks. You know, I felt like that movie was, I felt Wild Wild West is a very mean movie. Like the humor is like really mean. It was, uh, as George it, Carlin would describe, it was punching down. It was just yeah. racist to be racist. Right. And I feel like clerks, even though, like, you know, you can call it vulgar, like, I feel like there's affection for the characters. There's affection for, like, like, it's not a mean movie, even though there's, like, raunchy jokes and, and, and what have you, right? It's, um, you know, you can tell, like, this was made with love and, like, the intention is not to like punch down on anybody. No, exactly. It's not shooting any. Even there's that scene in Clerks too with Wanda Sykes, where it just shows how stupid Jeff Anderson's how, how stupid Randall is, or not stupid, how ignorant Randall is to language. Right. So like that entire scene, I mean, that would not be made today. <laughs> that scene would definitely not be happening today. But it, it was still like. Randall's just an he's an idiot. He's he's a man child, and that's that's the whole thing. And then, you know, I, I still love the reactions from Wanda Sykes and her husband. Like, wait, wait, you you wanna try that? Those white people in some freaky shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think 
the askew universe even though like you know a lot of comedy movies don't like age particularly well i think because like he's such a sharp writer like the, the writing still stands up absolutely without a doubt and he continues to do that with his characters and he lets his characters grow they're they're not just i mean i think randall only grows so much but that's the idea behind that character to only grow so much so you yeah. know when he gives that speech to Dante in the prison in, in uh, at the end of Clerks too, it's like, holy crap! You really feel that, mm-hmm. and and I love that Kevin Smith embraced that sentimental side of himself so early, and then even uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot, that whole relationship with Jay. In case I don't know if you've seen it now, so I don't want to check out any spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. All right, so you got to watch reboot before Clerks three though. Got it. Okay. And you that. should do that ASAP. Three hours of your life that you're going to thank me for. You know, uh, when I was reading this Billboard article about Clerks at 25, uh, one of the funniest, uh, maybe not funny for Kevin Smith, but funny for me to read was, um, you know, there's a uh, Fleetwood Mac cover on the Clerks soundtrack by Seaweed. You know, the... Uh, yeah, Go Your Own cover, Way. Go Your Own Way, right? And, uh, you know... Kevin Smith basically admitted, like, you know, we didn't have the budget for the real Fleetwood Mac song. Like, that would have been, like, you know, six figures while, you know, we paid Seaweed, like, two grand to go into the studio and knock out this version. And then he said um, he knows that because for Tusk, they got the Fleetwood Mac version of Tusk, and that costed a quarter of a million dollars. Jesus. A quarter of a million dollars for Tusk? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I guess I'm never going to get my Dawson's Creek uh, complete series with the original songs on it, am I? Damn. Not if Tusk was uh, $250,000 for Kevin Smith. Not that it was in yeah. Dawson's Creek. Right. But <laughs> That would have been a weird episode. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it had its fair share of those, and not always in a good way. And Dawson, also in the Jane Silent Bob universe. It's Dawson and the pie fucker. (laughs) Yes, but in prison, he'll be the pie. (laughs) (laughs) The, um, actually that cover of go your own way is really, really good too. Like, I mean, I'm not Brian from my weekly mixtape. I'm not like a diehard fan of covers. Brian, he, he'll tell you when a cover's bad, but he'll tell you in private because he doesn't want to like say anything bad about the artists. He's really cool and diplomatic like that because, there's an artist I'm a huge fan of that did a really, really bad cover some years ago, and you'll never hear him mention it ever because the <laughs> cover is just that bad. But this cover of Go Your Own Way, um, I got to pat these guys on the back because it's awesome. Yeah. I, you know, before reading this article, I would have just assumed it was because it was a great cover. That's, yeah. I mean, so I learned something new today, too. What else did you find out about this soundtrack? I found out that uh, Bash and Pop was one of the first bands that uh, kind of agreed to be on the soundtrack because Tommy Stinson is buds with uh, Benji Gordon. And, like, Tommy was saying, like, Bash and Pop was about to turn into perfect because, like, Brian Baker had left the band and Brian Baker ended up in Bad Religion but he actually had auditioned to join REM before joining Bad Religion. Really? Yeah. That's that's kind of a left turn. 
right? That's kind of, and you know, I was listening to the soundtrack recently too. I was trying to remember the big Bad Religion tune that came out, I think, a year before this. And now it's going to bug me, so I'm looking it up while we're talking. Because, you know, that's always good podcast is somebody just looking something up on the internet and then talking <laughs> about it. Right. There was there was another cover on that soundtrack too, the, um, the Bad Company cover of uh, Shooting Star. So I'm guessing it was the same thing, like would it cost X amount of dollars to um, just get the Bad Company version. So he got Golden Smog. Yeah. Oh, oh, wow. So, I'm looking at their bio, and it says various members of Soul Asylum, which is weird, because they're here. The replacements, Wilco, the Jayhawks, have worked with Golden Smog. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's kind of like a travel... It's kind of like the Traveling Wilburys, but with rotating members. Fair enough, yeah. Ah, the Wilburys, man. I always wondered what Volume 5 would have been. Yeah... Or if, or if they would even stick to that whole, like, we're just going to have odd number albums. Yeah, because I know that um, Jeff Tweedy is technically in Golden Smog, but I think it's only, like, one or two songs. He's a, like, unofficial official member? Yeah, like, he's listed as a member, but, like, he isn't really on that many songs. It's like how Ween has, like, you know, the, the five guys that tour, but, like, like, there's 50 other dudes that have been on their albums. Right. Fair enough. But yeah, it's, it's funny because Soul Asylum is also on the set soundtrack that you have a Golden Smog track. Yeah. I still remember watching that video for the first time. The Can't Even Tell video where they're playing um, hockey on the roof of the quick stop with the actors. There was, oh, never mind. I was thinking of a different band. Never mind. So it's not even a story worth telling. But. I love that he got Soul Asylum back for the end of Clerks 2 mm-hmm. and uh, with a different song, which, I mean, they could have used Can't Even Tell and it would have been like, yeah, all right. But it was still like, well, let's use Soul Asylum and go with that. And it was just perfect. Yeah, it was kind of a, you know, you can show that. Or maybe they went with a different song to show that, you know, that, the time, that some time has passed, some growing up has been done. Mostly. Mostly. Yeah. Well, you know, they're starting to. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, Dante's always going to be Dante. But Dante's always trying to grow. Yeah. Where Randall's always like, no, no, be a kid like me. Until yeah. they, they, you know, say, we open the quick stop. And, you know, so in between Clerks 1 and Clerk 2, Dave, Dave Perner's solo slime actually uh, scored Chasing Amy as well. Oh, that's right. That's right. Which... If you were to list your favorite Kevin Smith movies, where would Chasing Amy fall? Because everybody that hated Jersey Girl, which is a huge departure from that universe, like they they all loved Chasing Amy, which is an even bigger departure from that universe. It's just in the universe. Because that right. Jane Silent Bob. But that's a drama with some comedy in it. Yeah, I remember. I think for a while, Chasing Amy was probably my favorite, and then I I feel like um like like Kevin Smith himself, who has said <laughs> it's kind of a sci-fi because obviously, you know, lesbians don't just fall in love with Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs>
you know, I, I think, you know, emo, I think emotionally, I think it's, it's still a very resonant film. It was my favorite up until I want to say Red State. Oh, okay. And Red State just blew me away. But if I was going to go view a universe, I don't know, man. Uh, Clerks 2 and Clerks 3, and they they both really do it for me on an emotional level that um, Chasing Amy did as well. Yeah, I think I gravitate more towards Dogma and Mallrats now, but I think it's just because they're very watchable. Oh, they're yeah, very quotable as all hell. Yeah. Dogma. Good luck finding a Blu-ray copy of that. Right. But, you know, like Weinstein wasn't enough of a jerk, allegedly. Oh no, right. he he was convicted. <laughs> yeah. So convicted now jerk. A convicted jerk. And now he's now he's being even more of a jerk. Like, no, I want to retain the rights to this. Like, dude, what do you have to gain from being a bully in jail? Now you are the pie. Now oh my god. I hope so. After the shit he pulled, I hope so. And that's that's my political soapbox and I'll I'll get off of my soapbox now. But I just hope that he is the pie. <laughs> so, Sean, I, before we started talking, um, you have recorded some music with people from Clerks. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna look this up so I can give you a link. The one it's called the Wandering Wannabes. Uh, I'll put Scott's name in there. So, Scott Schiaffo, who is the truly gum the there. Scott Schiaffo, who is the Chulies gum guy in Clerks, uh, he and I have been friends for years. So one day he's like, hey man, I'm, uh, I'm recording a Christmas album. Uh, Brian's going to be singing on it, Brian O'Halloran, who played Dante. Uh, he's like, you know, come on over and uh, just lay down some uh, piano tracks for him. I was like, yeah, all right, that's a great idea. I could do that. So, you know, it's me. I'm trying to remember who else is in the band. I'm trying to find like the link. Okay, so it's uh, it's Brian O'Halloran on vocals, and let me tell you, that dude's got a set of pipes and he can sing. Scott Schiaffo on guitar, uh, Alan Jacks Bowers, and David Lee Madison, and then I'm an honorary wannabe. I uh, was the keyboard player. I wonder, I wonder who else is uh, an honorary wannabe. And the wandering wannabes, uh, Joe Ferry. So this is, it's three songs. It's Jingle Bells, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen, and We Wish You a Merry Christmas. And I mean, I wasn't in the studio with Brian. So I didn't hear anything until like the final, uh, the final product was out. I had just gone to Scott's one day for a couple hours and uh, played the keyboard parts. And we did it in the MIDI. So just in case like, hey, let's, raise it a step or lower it a step or whatever for the vocals make life easier and brian was like no this is easy and uh as you can hear if you look up the wandering wannabes a very wannabe christmas uh it's fun it's three songs it's like 10 minutes and uh i i love it because it's one of those things like yeah dude man i'm i'm on an album with uh dante and the Chulies gum guy but what it really boils down to is I'm on an album with my friend Scott. And that just happens to have these other awesome musicians on it. And it's just, it's a great Christmas recording that I'm really proud to have been a part of. Although, 
I'd prefer recording keys, like right to tape or I guess to hard disk, than using MIDI, unless it's something I'm programming to do live, like a background, like just like for intro music. Right. But aside from that, man, I I love hanging with Scott. I love recording stuff with Scott. So I'm hoping maybe maybe uh, next year. I don't know if, unless there's time this year. We'll. Uh, do another Christmas album. Maybe I'll reach out to them. Who knows? Or maybe they'll reach out to me. Or maybe they're doing it and I'm just not a part of it. I'm not welcome. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to check out that Christmas album. And it's a perfect time to do that since it's uh, near the end of the year. Uh, the weather outside is almost frightful here in New Jersey. I mean, I'm in Southern California and it's like 90 degrees outside today, so I can't tell. Yeah, yeah, that's you get to be in SoCal, so I get to be in New Jersey. I think one of us has it great, and the other one of us gets to be in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me ask you, what was your introduction to Clerks? You know, it's kind of weird. Like, I, I have some older. Well, I have four older sisters, but I think one of my sisters, um. You know, she had heard about it, so she had seen it. And then, you know, I I think that through that, I really got into, like, the idea of Kevin Smith. Like, he's this independent filmmaker, and he did on a budget of no money. And so I don't know. I don't think I saw it in 94 because I'm a little – I am uh, I was, like, 12. Right <laughs> so, on. All right. Um, I was, uh, you know, a little bit young, but – um, so I, I don't think Clerks was the first movie um, of Kevin Smith's that I saw. I think the first one was Mallrats. Which is more accessible, I think. It's more. It was more accessible, and I and they shot it at the Eden Prairie Mall in Minnesota, which uh, my family grew up in Minnesota. So there was kind of like that sort of, ooh, it's somewhere we know. I like Minnesota. I was uh, in 94... I went to visit my friend in Beloit, Wisconsin, and it was like they were they were going on break uh, for something. So he was my friend was staying in the in the college, but he was going to take one of his dorm mates home to Winona, Minnesota. So all the way there, you know, like it's it's an eight hour drive. We get baked, and we go to the Mall of America, and I'm freshly <laughs> baked walking to the Mall of America, and we walked in. Um, by the amusement park side. And there's this giant Snoopy staring down at me. I'm like, man, this place is going to be awesome. And then, you know, we drove further out to drop this gentleman off at home. I believe his name was Jake. Nice guy. And we passed Prince's house that he had grown up in. Not not Paisley Park. Or was that called Paisley Park? Yeah, Paisley Park. All right. So it wasn't Paisley Park. It was like the home he grew up in before he was Prince. And I just loved how huge those skies are out there, mm-hmm. how your neighbor is three miles away. And just, I, and it's not the isolation that I liked. It's just that these big chunks of land that are cared for. And did I mention this huge night sky? I can see the stars. There's there's no Jersey smog or whatever you want to call that we have in Jersey. We have this thing called the New Jersey sunset. It's really colorful and gorgeous. But it's the chemicals. It's got nothing to do with the atmosphere. <laughs> so yeah, Minnesota, man. Oh, I love it out there. So that's awesome that you uh, you grew up out there. 
Yeah, when I go back to like visit friends or family, like the first thing I notice is like how good the air smells. Because it's real air. Yeah, it's like, you know, because LA, they call it smog city. Like I'm in Southern California. Like it's kind of the same thing where like that, you know, there's all this light pollution so you can barely see the stars at night. And, you know, and then we're, we're just got, we just have houses built on other people's houses. Like, no. I'd say in about 10, 15 years, it's going to be the stacks like in Ready Player One. Probably. And by 10, 15 years, that's being hopeful. Yeah. So, you you know, Brian, obviously very, he's very talented. I mean, they're all great in this movie, right? And uh, it doesn't hurt that, you know, you're delivering Kevin Smith's uh, dialogue. I mean, can you imagine what that must have been like? Like reading that like when you're like i think they were doing like you know like playhouses and stuff in that area a lot of them and then you got this like writing that's like otherworldly it's because it's just it just feels so real and natural which i think is what gravitated a lot of people gravitated to it because of just that real raw this is how people from new jersey really talk it's not that oh hey hey, oh bada bing no nobody from jersey talks like that talks right. like that nobody from jersey talks like that like it's just <laughs> we're foul-mouthed but we're blunt and there's a difference between like being blunt and then going well i'm really blunt no you're an asshole like there's a difference between being really blunt and then going well i should get away with this because i'm really blunt or just being really blunt but like being just nice about it like we're not we're not all complete dicks here in new jersey but we are very raw and we're very outspoken as much as we can be yeah, and that's definitely uh, captured in the dialogue. And I think that's why, like, it gravitated to, like, MTV, like, I think was a really big um, proponent of Clerks. Oh, my like, God, they, yeah. You know, and I think it's because, like, this is how, you know, this is kind of how this generation, like, this is a very Gen X film. This is a very, um, like, it's it spoke to, like, younger people who listened to rock music and had angst and things like that. Oh, so, yeah. You know, I remember MTV was like a huge uh, fan of Kevin Smith, right? When Clerks came out, like they, and like I said, like I remember watching that uh, Soul Asylum video and just like thinking it was the most awesome thing to watch the band play, you know, on the uh, roof of the quick stop with, with um, the cast. And I think that's kind of like, even though I hadn't seen the movie, like I was like, this movie is for me because this band I like is playing hockey on a roof of a convenience store. And like, why would like central I New Jersey? Movie? Your sister's yeah. not far from there. And mm-hmm. I, and it's, it's shot in color, but Kevin Smith directed the video as well. I think I knew that part too. There was another, wasn't there another video from this one and he directed it? Or am I thinking of, I might be thinking of something else and I don't want to waste <laughs> I just want to create. I know. I know he directed the uh, the 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 um the lift me up Buttercup. Um, not, not lift, the, build me up Buttercup. Build me up Cup. But yeah, he did the build me up Buttercup video from All Rats. I remember. I think that's what I'm thinking of. Then yeah, but every time well, I is, hear that song, I think Silent of Bob. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> God damn it! What a what a, another character! Like see. I mean, I could sit here like just waxing poetic about how brilliant Kevin Smith is, but the truth is, he's not going to listen to me. He's going to be like, Sean, man, you know, 
you know, Sean, let me tell you, man. Hey, man. No, I'm just, I don't know <laughs> Kevin Smith at all. I don't know what he would say to me. I've got nothing but positive things to say about the guy. But, you know. Hey, Kevin, why don't you buy one million copies of uh, my song, Gin Asylum? And uh, I don't know how anybody could do that. Never mind. I mean, he could find a way. Or he, he could tell his fans. He could go on his account to tell everyone to buy a copy. That you would, know, it, that, that would, would be pretty you cool. You know, what's weird. People don't want to buy music these days. I mean, that's the other thing that, like, when I was saying earlier that, and I, this isn't me going, oh, I, I'm a lowly, poor musician. There's just something I've noticed where, like, people don't hold music to the same, like, standards that they used to. It's like, oh, my God, I love that song. I'm going to buy the album. Now it's like, people that wouldn't buy an album a month, spend that or more a month on, like, streaming services. But then they wonder, like, why bands that they like don't exist anymore or they or they just don't leave their houses. It's just, it's a completely different universe now that, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to like, you know, generate sympathy because it's all musicians everywhere. Like, yeah, yeah. It, 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 my friend, Mikey Mason, who's a really incredible songwriter once said, if you don't support the things you love, they go away. And there's people out there that say, I don't have a dollar for this, but they've got how many hundreds of dollars a year for these streaming services just to, so they don't have to listen to a, a commercial. Like, are you kidding me? Like, granted, yeah. yeah, you've got the world of music at your fingertips too, but you don't want to hear commercials and that's why you're paying the premium. Yeah, and and honestly, you're not getting all the music because so many soundtracks are not in complete form on a lot of these streaming services because the licensing deals are, you know, not... Exactly. They haven't been renewed or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I I've that. definitely uh, met people where, you know, they'll be like, oh... um, you know, somehow it'll come come up in conversation like, oh, I just got the Magnolia soundtrack on vinyl or whatever. And they'll be like, you still buy music? And I'm like, why wouldn't I buy music? Yeah, like, I know I've known a bunch of musicians in this area that just gave up. And they're like, well, people don't buy music anymore, so why should we try to sell it? It's like, uh, because if you want to get to the next level, anybody that's going to promote you or work with you to mold you and to get you that bigger audience, they're going to want to see that you've done it yourself first. Nobody's just like finding the new guy who's like a cold fish and going, all right, here we go. Let's build you from nothing. Like they want to see that work put in. But like a lot of musicians in this area, and I'm sure all around the world, have just kind of like given up and like, well, nobody buys music anymore. Oh, woe was me. And they just like, they live with that. And then they wonder why nothing's happening for them because they're not pushing their music. Right. I mean, it's like this podcast. I'm going to have to promote myself and promote this podcast or no one's going to listen. Yeah, to who's going to hear it? And, you know, I heard I heard you on Brian's show. So I checked out your show. But, you know, but that's why we do. That's that's why Brian comes on my podcast. Right. Like yeah. On his podcast. I mean, also, we're like, you know, we love to talk about music with each other. But, you know, it's it's we're hustling to try to find people that are like-minded that would appreciate our podcast, right? So Brian comes on my podcast. We talk about Judgment Night. Someone might be like, oh, that Brian, <laughs> Brian Colburn knows his stuff. Like, I'm going to check out his podcast and vice versa. I remember I was texting him. I mean, I know I was commenting on the Judgment Night episode on Twitter, but I was texting him. I'm like, no, come on. Please don't tell me you like that song. Please don't tell me you like that song. It's the worst song in the soundtrack. You got to be kidding me. I'll say it off. I'll tell you what it is off air. But it's just, the, the end of that song is just so lazy to me. I'm like, oh, come on, man. This is not a good song. 
just <laughs> and just it's just the guy just trying to sound deep by repeating the same thing over and over again just acting it out and it's i say that with air quotes like you know because good pod you have to provide visuals um anyway yeah but like but you're out there you're you're hustling so hey i've got this new episode oh hey i was just on pop culture yearbook oh, I, I got this going on and that's the way to do it but a lot of people are just like i have a show and that's it and like you know you don't see anything from them until their next show hey release an album stream it for free like why why stream it for free? I mean, it's not me being cheap, but it's like, there's value. If you show people that you don't value your your creations, they're not going to value it. They're not going to go see you live. You, there's got to be a hustle to it. People need to hustle. You hear me, folks? Right. Hustle. Sign up for every Patreon. If, if you support, like, support your, your favorite podcast any way you can. So, subscribe to the Soundtrack Your Life Patreon. Or just... You know, send them a couple bucks. And speaking of people that hustle, Kevin Smith, you know, I, he didn't just make Clerks, and he didn't he didn't just like sit back and wait for someone to discover this movie. He, I mean, he's prolific with, you know, some people would say it's a bad thing, but he's prolific at self promotion. Oh my you god, know, yeah. Give talk like I remember like one of the big draws for me buying all the View Skewed DVDs was to hear his audio commentaries over the movies like just it was like an extra value like i get to hear kevin smith be funny talking over his own movies with like ben affleck yeah it's it's almost like another sometimes audio commentaries are great like a kevin smith audio commentary sometimes it's like oh dude i don't care shut up and not on a kevin smith movie and sometimes you get gold like this is spinal tap if you watch it with the audio commentary you've got a completely new movie because it's them in character slamming right. the movie. It's so good. So I would say like any Kevin Smith movie with the audio commentary, and this is Spinal Tap with the audio commentary, are always good go-tos. And Kevin Smith does know the hustle. His past few movies, they're not getting huge distribution. He's doing that all on his own. He's taking it on the road. He's making those deals with Fandango to get Clerks 3 in the theater. There was something, oh, Jane Silent Bob reboot was a theater thing for one night. And it was that with uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. And it was Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. And the second those credits ended, it went right into Reboot. So, I mean, that guy hustles. Because he doesn't right. have Hollywood money behind him, backing him. Yeah, and, you know, he did those ev Evening with Kevin Smith tours. And oh, then yeah. he turned those into DVDs. And, and I mean, he understood the format that when the DVD started taking off, which obviously makes me sound like a dinosaur now. But, you know, like he understood like, oh, I could add more value into this by doing this audio commentary. Yeah. And he was right for it. There, I mean, you know, I, I remember the days of I'm trying to think of what the first Kevin Smith movie to actually legit come out on DVD was. Because everything was videotaped. I think right. it might have been Jane Silent Bob might have been the first that was a DVD release with videotape. Because Dogma was videotape. Had it, I had everything up to Dogma on VHS. And it's nice to have, you know, extra copies of stuff. Because people are like, oh, you like Kevin Smith? And I'm cleaning out my house. Here's this. So I've got like, you know, an extra copy of Mallrats. An extra copy of Chasing Amy. And an extra copy of Dogma. And I'm kind of like, ooh, ooh, hello eBay. Because there's always bills to pay.
But yeah, I mean, <laughs> once the DVD, I remember watching the deleted scenes for Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, and it's like it's like an hour and a half long because there's like you know him and Scott Mosier talking about like the subplots that they cut. Like they, apparently there was a subplot about something called the Asscock in um, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, which Stifler talk. Like we talked about, like just take two words, put them together, and like they're not supposed to make sense. So there's this like probably three hour version of Jane and Silent Bob Strike Back out there somewhere that I'd love to see. But sadly, on the other hand, I would not recommend the two hour cut of Mall Rest. That's the alternate cut. I think I tried watching that once. <laughs> I, I watched it all. And I, at the end of it, I was like, and it's not that it was like a different like take or anything like that. That didn't bother me. But it was more like, it didn't flow the same. And yeah. cheese a lot of the, so that whole party intro scene was kind of like, eh, not for me. Yeah. I liked it tying in to clerks. I liked the whole dying in the swimming pool and the, the whole like, it's the day before clerks. Hmm. Yeah. But I remember like, it took a while to get through like the, the beginning that they, that I guess then led into the theatrical version yeah and then it was just were still like ultimate, man hurry like, up oh yeah i mean that intro scene at that party where they're they were like dressed like revolutionary war heroes or something like that yep. that, uh, yeah yeah i watched it once when i got the dvd like that anniversary edition that came out whenever that came out so it's the only time i've seen that version kevin no disrespect man man i love you i love your vision i just don't like that cut they can't all yeah. be uh, cop out now, can they? Now talk about a movie that he gets wrongly maligned for. He didn't write it. Everybody's like, "Oh, the Kevin Smith movie Cop Out." No, eh. sorry, Hans, wrong guess. It is not a Kevin Smith film. It's a Kevin Smith directed film, and uh, people got to stop crapping on him for that, and they got to start blaming BW. Who, you know, I'm sorry, he's going through what he's going through. Yeah, I mean, it's like. Um... I mean, you know, Michelle Gondry, who did Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, his, he did The Green Horn. People were like, that movie sucked. And it's like he was trying to do a studio picture. Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't write, write it. it. And like that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. Wow, you did this gorgeous film. Although he didn't write Eternal Sunshine. That was... um Charlie Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman, yeah. I, th- I think he does have some, like, story credit on it. Like, I think he collaborated. Probably. You know who I want to see Kevin Smith work with? Just to see how bizarre it would get. I want to see Kevin Smith and Ari Aster do something together. Oh, like, yeah, that would be... Like the Kevin Smith version of Bo is Afraid could be something like just magical. Because Bo is Afraid in and of itself is pretty magical. Like, have you, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but that's a movie. <laughs> it's like I, I walked out and said, I saw Bo is Afraid. Like that's... I think Ari Aster, after the three films that he's written and directed, I've seen, I think he needs to speak to somebody. And I mean that with respect. So I, but I really want to see him and Kevin Smith. Like, like, can you imagine with Tusk and mm. Ari Aster with Kevin Smith doing that? Like, just how bizarre, how much more bizarre it would have gotten? Right. Ah, Tusk is afraid. Um, so. Since you're a huge Kevin Smith fan, I had uh, come up with like this is never gonna happen because I there's too many intellectual properties involved. But 
I would love to see a Mallrats Christmas movie where the, instead of like Michael Rooker as like you know the the villain, it would be Billy Bob Thornton's Bad Santa, <laughs> and for some reason they've pissed him off. Oh my god, that would be so much better than what we got in the Bad Santa sequel. Because when when there's a movie with Kathy Bates that I don't want to watch, something went wrong. Right. And uh, oh my god, dude, that would be so good. Can you imagine Brody just pissing off Bad Santa? <laughs> oh my God! And but Thurman Merman has to be in it too somehow. Yeah, right. like I guess him, like Thurman Merman, travels with him to whatever city he's going to. Well, it would have to technically be Jersey, right? <laughs> well, I guess so. That's that's a good point. I keep forgetting that. Well, you know, when I watch Mallrats and I watch um, Clerks too. Like I know it's Jersey, especially like the opening scene of Clerks too, or um, the Menlo Park Mall. I know that those are in New Jersey, but like when they're on set in the mall, I know it's not New Jersey. When they're right. at the movies, I know it's not in New Jersey. So I always seem to forget. But so yeah, like so whatever sandwich shop is at the mall from Mall Rats, that's where Thurman Marmon's working. They're gonna piss off Billy Bob Thorne. Then wow, that's fucking brilliant, man. Thought you would appreciate that, dude. I would Even though love it's never going to happen. I mean, you never know, man. You, 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 I never thought we'd get an episode seven of Star Wars. Um, fair enough, and that would that would that cost a lot more money than my idea does. Exactly. I never thought I'd get a fifth Indiana Jones movie, and I got it. It could probably. I, I'm I'm never into this whole never say never thing. Although I just said that I'm never into it because you just don't know. I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. That's true. I almost adopted a fifth cat while I was on a little mental health sabbatical over this weekend. Oh, I, I saw that. Yeah, oh, that dude, that kid is so cool, man. I almost took him home. If I had gone back a third day in a row uh, on my ride home, I probably would have taken him with me. So I decided not to go back to that place. <laughs> However, probably. folks, do adopt, don't shop. Very important. So, Sean, um, what do you, what did you think of I well have you seen Captain Marvel? Yes. What did you think of the uh, little oh, Stanley oh, Mallrats uh, little oh, callback there? I heard that Kevin Smith cried in the theater, which is beautiful. Um, it, you know, it was a it was a nice tribute. It was a nice tribute to Kevin Smith and Stanley's relationship too. Uh, I loved it. I loved that entire scene. I thought the movie itself was okay. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was good. It definitely establishes her as the most powerful superhero in that universe. But yeah, that that scene on the bus is so good. Yeah, I remember just, you know, the biggest dumb smile on my face. Just, I was just so happy that... Nobody else in the theater laughed. I think I might have gotten a couple. I usually go to like, you know, well, back then, before I was working with the animals, I would go to mayonnaise. I would go like, oh... It's it's there's a ten o'clock showing in the morning. I'll go to that. Ah, oh. so but Marvel movie back then, you'd still be in a full packed theater. So, but yeah, nobody laughed, and we're all in New Jersey. And nobody got the joke, and that's that's sad. But it was uh, fun talking about Clerks. I still love that movie. Same. I remember what was it? Uh, we were supposed to record a couple months ago. Or like a month ago, maybe it was a month ago, and whatever happened happened, 
And I just ended up, I was like, all right, I watched Clerks. I was like, I was going to watch the entire Views universe and I just went right to three because just I love three. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Clerks. I, thank you for having me on. And sorry about all the tangents, but uh, no, that's, have, you've listened to this podcast. Yeah, tangents all the time. <laughs> I'm a tangent guy. <laughs> um, so if people want to find you on social media, how can they find you? On Twitter, I'm Sean Faust, spelled like Connery, S-C-A-N, and anywhere else, it's Sean Faust Music. And say hi. Uh, tell me what tunes you would want to hear me play live. And if you want to see me live, every few months you'll catch me at the greatest bar in the world, John and Peter's in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Very cool. And what is the name of your song again that people can buy to help support your cause? Please, Gin Asylum. It's uh, it's a little tick. It's got that '90s feel. So Gin Asylum. So the next, the sequel to that song should be Soul Blossoms, and. <laughs> I actually started working on that one, so that's that'll be uh, interesting. I didn't do it on purpose; it just happened. But please buy Gin Asylum, and you know, tell your friends to buy Gin Asylum, and please adopt. Don't shop, and you know, uh, a breeder never saved a sick animal. It's always the rescuers. You you want those rescue babies, it, 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 and bring them into your home. Please adopt, spay and neuter your pets, like Bob Barker used to say. R.I.P. Brother. Spay and your pets. It's great for the community. TNR, if you can, in your neighborhood, the feral cats and the stray cats. Do whatever you can to help protect the animal population. And of course, please, anywhere you buy digital music, iTunes, Amazon, whatever you, whenever you choose, it's a dollar. Gin Asylum, please. Gin Asylum by Sean Faust. And of course, if you happen to have a Spotify playlist, add it. I would love it. Add all of my music to your playlist, please. I love you all. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Your Life. This show is awesome. Thank you for having me on your awesome show. I really do appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. I'm glad we finally made this work. I know. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll have you on again for Pump Up the Volume. Oh, I would love it. Everybody knows I would love it. <laughs> See what I did there. And then, obviously, you can find us on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Blue Sky at SoundtrackCast. And on Patreon at Soundtrack Your Life. And uh, thank you again, Sean. Thank you, man. Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, SoundtrackYourLife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out, too.